Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend Corey at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Put two freewheeling cars on a track with no lanes and no grooves and you're in for some wild racing. Introducing Accelerators from Aurora, the electric racing set that doesn't need slots. Racing cars that freewheel all over the track because there's nothing to hold them down. With your Accelerator power stick, give them juice to pass or try to. Swing out on that curve. The action never lets up because the transformer plugs right into the wall. The Accelerator Sideswipers race set comes with two freewheeling cars plus everything you see here from Aurora. And now... Hey, Rocky! Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Button up my sleeve. Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Woo! This is Richard Rawlings from Gas Monkey Garage, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So get you some of that. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, 500-plus shows, be sure to check it out, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Tommy. How you doing? Tommy's trying to push. I'm just lovely. How you doing? <laughs> Always good to see you, boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all faithful here. Bobby, how you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Okay, I like got, your mask, Robert. You like my mask? Okay. <laughs> how dare you? It's early for Halloween. Anyway, so yeah, of course Tommy's still on the other side. He's playing it safe. He's on the other side of that glass. You know that six foot glass over there. But anyway, Bobby, yes. you got some uh, FLA car stuff for us, real quick. Ah, yes. You can go on check out Tara's Facebook page because. Um, she has uh, posted out some pictures about the first social distancing cruise-in that happened down in South Florida. They finally figured it out how to get into a get into a uh, shopping center and, and uh, without actually formally meeting up, and then just having a leader and taking a ride down State Road A one A. So that oh, was that was pretty cool. cool. So check that out, and then uh, check out the Rib Shack on ABC Action News. Um, Talking about uh, some little some assistance they got recently, and uh, also about the uh, fact that you can still get takeout, Uber Eats, or uh, Bite Squad, or come pick it up at seven two seven five five zero one ninety ninety. 
And uh, you can get you're only 18 feet away from the best barbecue in Tampa Bay. How about that, Tommy? Why don't you go ahead and get our first guest on the line here, real quick? Because uh, we got an exciting show for you tonight. We got uh, a couple guys, local car guys. You know, because this show's about everybody. You know, it's all about cars and uh, obviously music and stuff like that too. Because we get into that. And then we got a special guest coming on for you uh, a little bit later in the show, and uh, everybody will know this gentleman. Anyway, in fact, if you go to Facebook, you could probably find out right about now. You know, but. Uh, Anyway, I do see a lot of guys on motorcycles lately again still. I see some classic cars out there on the road all the time, and that's pretty cool stuff, you know, because everybody's out there doing their thing, you know. And, of course, lately I, too, have been uh, kind of tinkering with my stuff. I've been dragging some of my junk out, and it's been sitting around for a long time, and it's about high time, high time, high time I get this stuff running. So, anyway, uh, Tommy's on the phone here, trying to get our first guest on the phone. Hopefully he can rub my phone number because my chicken scratch is pretty bad. But other than that, we got our big anniversary Ah, show coming up. In two weeks, ten year anniversary show coming up, big thing, and uh, we will uh, we, we will, will release announce the details when we figure yeah, out yeah, what yeah, our yeah, new yeah, plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. So I think we got our first uh, group of guys on here, car guys, local guys up here, and it's the uh, Lawrence and Jason uh, Garage Fifty Minute Hour. How about that? Hey, so Lawrence, Jason, you guys up there? You got your phone on uh, on uh, what do they call that thing? Speaker phone, right? Sure do. Yeah, we're here. You're here. Okay, so uh, I understand. Let's see, I got a little text from you guys, so I guess you're uh, grilling or barbecuing some uh, oysters or something like that up there? Oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We got a bunch of them ready to go, man. Okay, well, well, you guys are up there in Citrus County, and uh, uh, Loris, I've uh, met you here a while back, and I know you're kind of a Chevrolet kind of guy, and uh, Jason, you're kind of like an everything kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah. I am. I, I'm not. I like them all. Ford, Dodge, Chevrolet, Pontiac. The older, the better. Yeah, we're not prejudiced in any way. No, that's good. So uh, we got about uh, ten or fifteen minutes here. We're going to get you guys on the air, and you're up there in uh, sparkling. Well, we're going to say you're up in the Nature Coast up there, right? And uh, yeah, so, yeah. what I did yeah, not. Yeah, what I did not realize is how serious a car culture exists up uh, in Hernando and Citrus County. So why don't you guys share with us uh, some stories about your cars? Yeah, well, we own the majority of them here. <laughs> Jason and <laughs> Okay. No, but all kidding aside, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of cars. And uh, if there was uh, more opportunity for people to come out and show them off, I think they would. So maybe with your help... One day, this piece will have more cars out of their garages than in their garage. Get people more motivated to dust them off, get them out there, and get them seen. And drive them. Now, Lawrence, you've yeah, got Lawrence. you've got uh, a couple cool cars there. You had a, you've you found a couple of interesting pieces here. You've got. Uh, so tell us about yeah, yeah. tell us about your Camaros. I'll tell you, it's kind of spiritual because my dad was a car guy and things have just fell in my lap that normally for a lot of people would never come together. That, that, you know, they just never be able to get that dealt hand in life. But when it comes to cars, my dad's been my guardian angel and everything has just came into place. So recently here you found an SS, uh, uh, yeah. two SS cars, right? A big block and a small block. No, no. The, the big block car I bought 25 years ago from Automotive Engineering. Oh, really? St. Pete. St. Pete. We saw that for my son who's in the military. Uh-huh. But uh, about, about two months ago, I found a 1970. I wouldn't say it's all original, but it is all original. Uh, with the exception of it being painted, it's got the original motor, original tranny. It, it is a rare SS. It's a 1972. It's not a, a split bumper. 
but it is in fact the K Code SS, and it's a beautiful car. And my buddy Jason here, he's been helping me. And we're going to get it roadworthy. We're not going to restore it like I've done a couple in the past for my sons, but we're going to make it drivable and and proud. Okay, Jason. So what do you do? Are you uh, are you kind of like a car guy that just does stuff on the side? And what do you have sitting around in your garage? I made it my my job. You know, uh, I pedal around a little bit. You know, in my garage out back, and uh, met Lawrence a long time ago. I can't say how many years. You know, just he's like a brother to me. Got to hanging out with him years ago, and come to find out, he's in the same thing I am. You know, the older the better, the nostalgia, and. Uh, He's in the Camaros. I was in the Trans Ams. I got a 75 Spree model, which I'm more clone to a Formula 350. I had two 84 Corvettes, uh, one 84 short, uh, long wheelbase half-ton Chevy, which belonged to my dad. And I got a 66 short wheelbase that I made three-quarter ton, which belonged to my grandpa, which I'm going to let my mom drive it here pretty soon. And, uh, I got a boat one day. I got to get my family in the water. I'm, I'm, I'm not a boat guy, but I do own a boat. So I, I got my hands full. It's fun. Well, no, that's cool, though, you know, because, I mean, the fact that you've got those vehicles, those trucks that were in your family, that that's yeah, something I'm very special. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sentimental. My son, when I pulled the Firebird home, he immediately said that car is his. He's, his name is Jason, Jason Jr. <laughs> okay. I got of him a three years old working on it till this day if somebody comes up and asks me for something's for sale they get close to the car he lets them know that that car is not for sale see now that's this is true car guy stuff you know i mean on my show we talk about this every once in a while because you know like everybody says well thing everything has a price but it doesn't because if it's something no. special and it's a family yeah. thing you keep it right they haven't ran into me. I got a little 70 Honda Trail 70 that my sister drove, and I've been offered money for it, and it's not for sale. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. It stays It stays with my son. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm gonna, everything I ever, I mean, I started out driving Trans Ams, and, you know, it was the perfect thing when he levitated to the car. I'm like, you know what? He's my boy. He knows what a Pontiac Firebird or Trans Am is, so it's his. Now, are you kind of a Pontiac guy? Have you taken some of those motors apart, rebuilt them, and put them back together? Yes, yes. I blew up my fair share of them when I didn't know no better and tore up a lot of good cars when I didn't know no better. <laughs> Hopefully my son will not follow in my footsteps. Oh, wow. Now, when yeah. you back in the day, what year Trans Ams did you have? Uh, I had a 1971 firebird which was emerald green with the black vinyl roof that was my dad's car back in the day uh -huh. i got rid of it which i totally regret uh i believe it was a 79 was the anniversary model that made two models one was the uh 455 pontiac and the other one was the 403 automatic well i had the 403 automatic anniversary i drove it around and sold it which i regret uh those two cars right there, I wish I had back. Well, they're special, of course, naturally. But uh, the good thing is, is they're still out there, and there's still probably one sitting out there in somebody's barn somewhere up in uh, in Citrus County or Hernando County or Pasco County or even Lake County. You never know. Yep. 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 Proof, proof of me finding that 72 is proof that they're still out there. Yeah. Well, you just got to give enough to knock on somebody's door or leave a business card like I did. Yeah. Now, Will, yeah, that's how I find the majority of them, actually. 
Uh, Lawrence, you got an interesting story because you were up uh, looking at a job one day and you found some really cool cars in a barn, what, up there in Wilston or something like that? Tell us about that story. That was Reddick, Florida. Yep. Oh, Reddick? Came across a lady who inherited her uncle's estate and she had quite the collection. I was only able to make a deal on one car in my price range. Everything else was above it, but there were some pretty spectacular cars. What were some of the cars? That were, what were some of the cars? Oh, there was a Keiko Mustang convertible. There was a old Chevy dump truck. There were a couple of Ford Shays. There was a couple of Model, Model A or Double A Roadster stateside truck, and just a bunch of just cool stuff. Some Mercedes, some old Mercedes cars. Wow. Now yeah. the the Camaro that you just recently found. So tell us the story about that. How'd you find that one, the SS car? I was doing an estimate. Uh-huh. And when I when I approached, you know, of course, nowadays everybody uses their map app to get to the house. So I'm listening to my map, and it told me I arrived, and I couldn't turn into the driveway because the driveway was full, so I went to the end of the street, which happened to be a cul-de-sac. I knew it was a cul-de-sac, so I used it to turn around. But when I was turning around, I seen it sitting there in the driveway, and it just had that look about it like it's been sitting a while. So I left a little little short note on a business card and they called me up the next day and I waited till the following weekend to meet the guy and seen it, checked it out, and then a weekend later he called me up and told me to come get it. Wow. That's cool. What yeah. is what is some of the, now back in the day, Lawrence, you had uh, a second gen Camaro, you had like a seventy eight or something like that, Z twenty eight? Yeah, I've had them ever since, let's see, I'm, I'm almost 50, and I've had them since I was 15 years old. Uh, I don't think there was ever a time in my life where I didn't have a Camaro, whether a turnkey or project. I've always always had one. So of all the Camaros that you've owned, which one do you miss the most? Which one do I miss the most? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I miss them all equally. <laughs> What was the coolest Camaro you ever owned? Probably the car that I gave to my son, Michael. It's yeah. a 1972, 1972 Rally Sport. Uh, it's a big block 402 car. Midnight bronze, white stripes, black vinyl top. Uh, that's going under the last of the restoration for the second time. I restored it once for myself. But then when he turned of age, I decided I was going to restore it again proper for him and it's about 95 percent done i'm down just to interior pieces which i have just you know taking my time doing it right now the cool thing about that i think you said that was the one that you did with like uh motion graphics no that's actually in 1970 and my friend jason here he's done all the fabrication work on on both of those camaros oh okay That's that's a 1970 that car I bought off uh, uh, a local tow truck company by the name of A1 Low Dollar Tow. Very nice man. His name is Dell. Uh-huh. Dell. Now he goes by Dell's Towing. And I bought it off the back of his record for $450 delivered to my house. And it was a diamond in the rough. And, and I did it as a motor. It was rough, but I did it, and it's solid now. We changed everything we needed to change, and we've done it right. And it's a dedication to a motion Camaro because of the history that my dad had with uh, the old owner or, 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 or motion Camaro. Yeah, with Joel Rosen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad drag raced with him 
in the late 60s and early 70s. Yes, sir. So your dad's shop and where you grew up in New York, in Brooklyn there, was uh, not too far from uh, Joel, Ro- Joel Rosen's Baldwin uh, Chevrolet, yeah, it right? Was it, was across, it was across the street there in Brooklyn, New York, before he got, I, I don't know, for lack of better words, famous, yeah. big or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, I've been told many stories about Joel Rosen. And, and in fact, I got some LPs, some old albums that are sounds of the Islip Speedway. That was my dad. No kidding. No kidding. Their sounds, whether they're drag racing or demolition derbies, demolition derbies from the Islip Speedway. Yes, sir. I, I have them in my possession. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, why don't you, uh, Lawrence? You got a shop up there. You do cabinets and stuff like that. Why don't you give a shout out to yourself and your uh, and a little acknowledgement there to your cabinet company up there in uh, Citrus County. Yeah, man, I, I pride myself in service, and, and I stick with the customer from start to finish and every aspect of it, try to help them out every way I can. The name of my shop, Citrus Custom Cabinet. Uh, and if you're a car guy and you need some fabrication, call me, and I'll put you in touch with Jason directly. And Jason, do you have a little business, too, or you just kind of work out of your house? How does your gig work? He kind of piddles. He works out of his house. He'll go on the road. He'll work at your shop if you got, you know, Kool-Aid. okay okay that's cool uh interesting well hey i want to thank you guys for coming on the show and hanging out with us a little bit next time i'm up to citrus county i'll be sure and uh kind of you know i'll bring some uh, kool-aid over and then we can uh you know we can barbecue some uh, hot dogs or something like that and some hamburgers you need to bring oysters Oysters. (laughs) 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 and we'll indulge all right. Well, that's cool. Well, hey, Jason and uh, Lawrence, I want to thank you guys very much for taking a few minutes and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, look forward to meeting both of you guys and seeing you guys again up there in, uh, in the Nature Coast. And we'll uh, we'll all go uh, do a little street racing up there off Straight Road 41. What do you think? Uh, that sounds good. It was good being on your show and good talking to you. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Again, I want to thank my friends uh, Lawrence and Jason. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Tommy, why don't you fire up the uh, turntable there? And uh, now this song that I'm playing, there's a reason we're playing this song, because I'm kind of working on this little project of mine. And I run into these little 12-legged critters, or eight legs. But anyway, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgia Video Cars. Here's a little Kippa Dada and uh, Big Cockroach, right, Bobby? Yeah. Breathing sprays and poisons and surviving it all. Let me tell you about a roach. With a female roach, his only thoughts to seduce her. He's an insect Casanova, a prolific producer. He's got a shiny back that's harder than granite. <laughs> He's just about indestructible, damn it. He's a roach. Roach. He was standing at the corner of under and sink. All mean and unshaven, he was looking for a drink. He had a dent in his neck from a month ago when the maid caught him napping and stomped him on the floor. Once I threw a party, he showed up real drunk, leaned across my wet bar and called me a punk. Well, I took his remark rather tongue-in-cheek, but just to be safe, I made his next drink weak. He was mean. Big cockroach 
After everybody left, we Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back. Did you need nostalgic radio in cars? So, uh, Mr. Graduate, how are we doing? Oh, yes, my last time on the air here as a UCF student. I do believe that would be. <laughs> That's why I wear a shirt. Um, yeah, we're, we're just hanging in there. Okay, so uh, what's going on in the... Uh, so, everyone can watch my graduate. All, all 3.5 million t- people under the Tampa Bay umbrella can... Can uh, listen to it, watch my graduation since it's on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. So, so there's no physical graduation. It's all done on YouTube. Yeah, there's no. There may be a later date one, but because they got to stay on a schedule. Okay. Um. This is yeah. They're offering a. I mean, it was it was always going to be stream live, as well. But mm-hmm. now it's just. It's official. Primarily, it's Primarily. only on live. <laughs> only okay. On so live. if anybody wants to watch Bobby graduate this weekend, oh, we might just put it on the air. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're so used to streaming here at the studio, yeah, we know all about streaming, don't we, Bobby? I know. It's like they're like, yeah, you're going to be on YouTube live, and I was like, well, I, I know that works out. All right. So what's happening now? So uh, you're kind of following all this uh, COV nineteen thing. Um, so is everything opening up on Friday or the first? Is that what's the, the game plan? Is that what the governor said? Some phases will start. Okay. Um, because I hear up in Citrus County, some of the restaurants are starting to open up on Friday. So well, that's yeah, that's that half capacity or something. Whatever, whatever. It depends on the type of restaurant. Um, we have, yeah, to, so, we have to maintain so, our social so distancing. Okay, the social distancing will stay till the third phase, which will be arenas, theaters, you know, big big venues like that. Um, but radio probably, probably when car shows are going to come back is probably on the third phase. But from now on, we can we can we, we can, can do cruising. We can do cru- uh, virtual cruisings and. Uh, Tommy, like why don't you go ahead and get our guest on the phone here? Let's go ahead and fire up the stereo here real quick, and yeah. then uh, we'll get our guest on the phone. In the meantime, we'll Bobby, wash uh, our hands. We'll wash our hands. I'll graduate. Take... No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are tuned into Nostalgic Between Cars. What do we got here? Oh, got a little Toby Keith here. What about me? Hey, this is a goodie. This is an old bit of goodie from back in the early 2000s. Uh, you tune in to Nostalgia Getting Card. Don't touch that doll. We'll be right back. Your work, how your boss is a jerk. We talk- 
talking about your church and your head when it hurts. We talk about the troubles you've been having with your brother, about your daddy and your mother and your crazy ex-lover. We talk about your friends and the places that you've been. We talk about your skin and the dimples on your chin, the polish on your toes and the run in your holes, and God knows we're gonna talk about your clothes. You know talking about you makes me smile. But every once in a while, I wanna talk about me, wanna talk about I, wanna talk about number one. Oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I wanna talk about me. Kids are really going to have a ball with Emmy's new electric tiger guitar. You're listening to the Emmy electric tiger guitar in action, and you too can play it. Oh, play that tiger, electric tiger, that guitar by Emmy. You play the high note, you from the low note. Tiger plays so easily. Till you play the M&E Electric Tiger Guitar. Big sound. Play it anywhere. Completely portable. Swing with your friends. Tiger has wire-wound nylon strings, metal-geared precision tuning pegs, and easy-to-follow instruction book of songs. This portable amplifier hooks up to any guitar. Get yourself an M&E Electric Tiger Guitar and jump! This is Neil Young, you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is extremely well-known in the world of cars and a super fabricator, and he's also a very, very good and committed musician. I'm delighted to welcome back to my show our alumni guest, good friend of mine, and the host of Gears TV, Stacy David. Stacy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Robert. Great to talk to you, man. Yeah, how you been? So, uh, Good. the last time we bumped into each other, I'm not sure if it was SEMA. Yeah, it was SEMA or was it NAM? I thought it was the NAM show. Might have been NAM now, show. I've, I've been lamenting that since the NAM show was canceled right now, like everything else. Yeah. So, what'd you think of NAM? Which no, is... I loved it, man. That's like, it's SEMA for guitar stuff. And uh, I have been. You know, I was in the music industry for, gosh, going on almost 30 years and never went to NAMM. I always had invitations and people like, you got, I was always touring or out on the road or doing something. You know, I was like, ah, yeah. And I finally went uh, a couple years before I met you there. Uh And and then it was like every year, you know, it's just great. I can't believe I missed it all those years. It's just great, great gear, just, you know, just great to see it. Now, I haven't been to the big NAMM show out in L.A., I think it is, mm-hmm. but the one in Nashville is great. Well, it's now, big enough. <laughs> so, the, the when, how old were you when you first started playing guitar? I was six. Oh, wow. You were really yeah. young. What was your first guitar? Yeah. My first guitar was a little, well, it was a borrowed guitar. Uh-huh. Uh, because my parents you know, wanted to make sure we were serious about it. And uh, I don't remember, I think it was a little harmony that I, I played for probably six months but the first real guitar that i that i learned on was a little yamaha like a three-quarter size yamaha uh-huh. uh-huh steel string guitar my parents still have it i still go home and play it uh scratch it's all scratched up but it was just that guitar that i learned on you know and that's when 
Yamaha was first coming out. But um, I've always liked those. My first electric was uh, a Harmony Rocket. And I, I got it. First of all, I was really into, you know, B.B. King and uh, Chuck Berry and all that stuff. So I had to play an arch top, you know, mm-hmm. 335 looking thing. And, you know, I didn't know anything about them. I just liked the look of it. So the Harmony Rocket, of course, had three pickups and a whole bunch of white buttons going all the way around the bottom. And I wanted all the buttons, you know, because I had to have all the switches and all the goo on it. And, uh, of course, it was terrible. <laughs> but it was, you know, my first electric, and, you know, I started to learn about pickups and sounds and that kind of thing. And then my first real electric guitar that I got after that was a Gibson SG. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah, and this one was a real special one. It had a Bigsby palm pedal on it. And really? Basically, I had never seen another one. Uh, still haven't. Basically, instead of a like a Bigsby tremolo, it had two little levers that came up like a, it was a B bender basically, and you could put them on any string. These this one was set up on the the G string and the B string, and if you pushed on it, of course, it would go up a note. You know, so you could do those steel guitar licks if you were inclined to. But you had to push with the back of your hand. And, of course, it was way beyond me at that point. You know, I, I didn't know what that stuff was. I was like, why isn't this like a whammy bar? <laughs> 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 but uh, I always wondered about that because I never saw another. I've never seen another one of those palm pebbles, let alone on an SG. What, is so, yours a uh, walnut or a cherry? It was walnut. Okay. Do you still have it though? No, no. When I moved to town here, I had that was my main electric, and uh, you know the Gibson sound was not happening at the time. You know everybody was playing Strats or Tellys, and uh, you know I was I was really into that single coil sound, and that's when I started to to deviate into that, and I started playing single coil stuff, and uh, that's been my main instrument ever since. My my big challenge, though, is I, I always wanted the, you know, the nice single coil bite, but I wanted it fatter and warmer. So um, that was always a, a difficult thing to hit. Paul Reed Smith did a really good job hitting that spot. But, um, you know, I looked for a, the right fender, you know, for a long time. As you know, the right guitar is just, yeah, they come along every once in a while. They're, and there it is. Their magic, and I went down to Corner Music here in Nashville. This was about '85, and I'd been on the hunt for a, a Stratocaster for about four years. And I would play them, and it's like that's ah, close, but it's just. And most of them had the real small frets, and they were real twangy. They were just real bitey, like a telly, which is not what I was after. And uh, so I go into Corner Music, and I pick up this used Schecter that's sitting there huh. and this is an this is an original tom anderson Schecter, built like in 81 same basically same guitar that martin offler played through all those years that uh-huh. straight and uh i picked this thing up and that was it it was like i'd never heard of Schecter. i didn't know what it was and uh i walked that guitar right over <laughs> to, and at that point you know you had to put it on layaway and they wanted 300 bucks for it and it had just been traded in Corner Music is a musician's store in Nashville. That's where all the musicians hung out. It wasn't your typical music store. Matter of fact, you, most average person couldn't even find it. 
but it was where Joe Glazer had his place for setting up guitars, and it was a real, you know, hot spot. So a session player had just traded this thing in, and uh, I picked it up, I played it, I put it on layaway, I get home, the phone's ringing, and it's a buddy of mine that worked over at Opryland, we were doing shows out there, and he goes, you sucker, he said, you bought my guitar, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I went home to get the money to buy that thing, and I came back, and you put it on layaway. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, I'm sorry. He goes, I'll give you 100 bucks more than you just bought it for. He said, I'll give you $400 for it. And I'm like, dude, listen, seriously, I, I've been looking. I said, I said, that one's got its magic. He goes, I know, I know, I hate you. <laughs> so, And I still have that one. That was my main act for, gosh, decades. Well, now I know when... When when Bobby and I were up there, we went to Carter's and uh, yeah. Irwin's. Those are the two places. I did, was Cornerstone. Is it still around? That place you're talking about? Oh, yeah, Corner Music is still there. It's on uh, uh, it's on Twelfth Avenue. Okay. And it's still there. Um, it's gotten a little more. The area has grown up around it. It's kind of a college hangout now. A bunch of coffee shops and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure it's a real musicians hangout like it used to be. But uh, it was really cool. You know, it was a neat place. I mean, you would go down to, like, the regular music stores and see the, the Squire Telecasters and that kind of thing. And then you would go to Corner Music, and that's where you'd find all the handmade custom stuff, you know, that had just been traded in by Chet or whatever. And half the times you'd run into those guys, Chet or Vince or somebody would be hanging out in there. Really? You know, oh, yeah. Now, when you first start came to Nashville, what style of music were you playing, and were you more lead rhythm? What because I know you play both. I remember that one episode yeah. where Ted Nugent was on the show, and you guys were like drilling the drilling the guitars. Oh. I mean, that was great. Oh, yeah, that was a great show. Oh, that was a lot of fun too. It was, you know, when I first came to town, I was primarily a lead player, mm-hmm. but I was a hired gun. If you haven't seen the movie Hired Gun, I bet you have. No, but I haven't. If you haven't yeah, it's on Netflix. Just rent it. Anybody that's into guitar stuff, if you really want to know what the guitar world is like, what the music world is like, there's it's just like being part of a NASCAR team or whatever. You got the driver, which is like the lead singer, mm-hmm. but then you have this whole crew that makes that happen. So and, you you were a sessions musician then, basically? Yeah, I did that. I I, I toured. I, I was a session player. I played shows at Opryland. I did everything. Wow. Because that's how I was making a living. <laughs> I didn't turn anything down. And so, like I said, if I had a perfect world, if somebody said, listen, you can play anything you want, it would be like a blues rock kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, listen, a bluegrass gig would come up, or a country gig, or, you know, a jazz gig, or whatever, you know, you had to take it. And I honestly really liked that, because it really pushed you to to stay sharp on stuff and to learn new things. You couldn't fall into um, the easy stuff. And uh, and that's really easy to do. You know, you get out on the road with some, somebody, and, and this is a direct correlation to the car world as, as well. You know, you start falling into something that it makes you, that you get, lack of a better word, famous doing, mm-hmm. whether you're a session player or whatever, they're like, hey, man, we like that sound, so we want you to keep doing that. Well, it's really easy to get lackadaisical then, because it's like, hey, this is this is easy. I go in here, I hit my licks, and I'm out, and I made money really quick, and you know, I'm making really good money. And pretty soon, 
you know, the industry kind of moves past you or people start going, eh, we don't want him anymore. And you're like, well, why not? They're like, eh, you know, we know what you do. And, you know, then you're like, well, wait a minute, I can do other stuff. But see, since you haven't been doing that, they're like, oh, I didn't know you could play that. And it's, it's a really funny thing. You would think, you know, you actually obviously are a musician and been around music because of the way you ask that question. You know, most people won't, they'll say, oh, you're either a rhythm player or a lead player or a bass guitar player or a drummer or whatever. They don't realize a lot of these guys, you know, can do multiple things really well. And uh, people are like, oh, I just thought, you know, for a few years at Opryland, for example, I played acoustic guitar. And so I wanted to do the rock show. And I went, it's like, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. I mean, I, I got to do the rock show. And they're like, really? You play electric? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> they just didn't know, you know, because they hadn't seen me do it. So, when uh, were you ever in new uh, songwriting at all, or were you strictly a musician? Oh no, I I did a lot of songwriting. I did a lot of arranging. Actually, I'm working with my daughter right now. She is a music major at Belmont. Oh really? And she she's a really good writer. Um, and so I'm working with her uh, on her first album, actually. So what, tell us about what songwriting. I've never, and I've had a number of musicians. As a matter of fact, we had Bob Berryhill on from uh, Safaris a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he lives yeah. right there in Nashville now, too, with you guys. Uh-huh. And what was it, Musicians Hall of Fame? Is that what it is? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. have, you been, have you been to that? Oh, yeah. Is that pretty impressive? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, any of this stuff, the thing about Nashville, uh, it doesn't matter if you're into country music or what you're into. If you come to Nashville, you need to go to the Hall of Fame, you need to go to the Ryman, and you need to go to the Grand Ole Opry just to experience it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't like the type of music, just like I tell people, when you go to New York, you got to go to a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. If, when you go to New Orleans, you got to go listen to some jazz and blues. You know, it's just the experience of that. There, whether you let you'll and, and what you'll do is end up walking out liking the stuff, you know. And there's a lot of people that come to town, they're like, ah, you know, I don't like country music. And then they'll go listen to one of the bands downtown and they'll hear these guys throwing jazz stuff in and and you know, bluegrass vibes and this kind of thing. And all of a sudden, people are like, gosh, you know, this is really diverse, you know, and it, it makes it a lot of fun. So, yeah, the Hall of Fame is. Uh, we've had our ups and downs with them a few times. <laughs> so take us through the songwriting process, because I've never really actually, with all the musicians I've had on my show, I've never really talked about what it's like to to to, to, to write a song. What? How does it? How do you start? Well, uh, with anything, it starts with an idea. Okay. And that idea can come several different ways. It can come in words, where uh, somebody comes up with a with what we call a hook. Okay. You know, like I'm, uh, I'm left, you're right, she's gone. You know, that was a that was a famous Elvis song back in the day. That's a classic country hook. Mm-hmm. You know, a play on words kind of thing. Okay. And then what people will do is they will write a, a song around that hook, and that's one way to do it. Not my personal favorite type of song. To me, those sort of songs come and go. Okay. That doesn't mean you, doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money off. Them. But that's a lot of the stuff that you're hearing now, what kind of this bro country stuff that's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what those songs, they're just kind of party songs. You know, so there's a lot of cliches thrown in there. Got my truck, I got my... Th-. 
you know. <laughs> and, and, and you know the song. Yep. And people Jason Aldean, for example, has got a lot of that stuff out there right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listen, I mean, there's the Rolling Stones were masters of those type of songs. Just the big anthem party song. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, those are the, they're fun. I prefer to write from an idea. Okay. From, from a concept. You know, in other words, you got something to say. And you, you want to make people think or whatever. Billy Joel was a master of doing that. You know, like the song, She's Always a Woman to Me. Or right. anything like that. Um, those are the sort of songs where, you know, you're, you think and you're still Jim Croce stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. The Eagles. You know, these were not not just random lyrics thrown out there. There was actually a... They were meant to make you think. They were like they were a story. You, yeah. They were either meant to make you angry or happy or take you on a journey of some sort. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but there's... That's kind of the way it goes. And then you... You know, as you put it together, somewhere in the middle of that, a tune will come together. And sometimes the tune comes first. I mean... You know, it's uh, a legend that Paul McCartney walked around with yesterday for four or five years, and he didn't have the lyrics. He had the tune first, and so he just sang ham and eggs. Uh, ham and eggs. I wish I had my ham and eggs. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> until, you know, until later on, he came up with the lyric of yesterday, one of the greatest songs ever. And... Uh, so sometimes it's a long process. Sometimes, you know, it, it pops down fairly quickly. And once again, very similar to building a car. Sometimes you'll look at a car and go, I know exactly what I'm going to do to that. And boom, you know, it happens real quick. You, you do a cut on the body. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to pancake this hood. I'm going to do this thing. I know exactly how this thing's going to work. Other times you get halfway through it and go, you know... If I add this to that, it's going to make it even better once you step back and take a look at it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of that uh, in songwriting, too. Just changing a couple of words completely changes the idea of the song. And um, and the hard part of it is, this is what I'm trying to get across to my daughter and other people in the industry. <laughs> when, when I'm talking to them or if you're in the, set, in the studio doing it, Everybody wants that guarantee. They're like, what do you think? Is this is this going to be a hit? And it's like, dude, I'll be straight with you. There's nobody that can answer that question. Because nobody knows if it's going to be a hit. I can tell you if I like it. But nobody knows if that song is going to go out and become this huge thing. You know, it's like the Macarena. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it became this huge cultural phenomenon. <laughs> You know, achy, breaky heart. What the heck? You know. Now, so, when so like for example, and on these songs, when you when, like when you're doing an album, I mean, do you uh, is there is there like a format? I mean, are like two yeah. minute songs, three minute songs, five minute songs? I mean, what is there a formula there, or does it just depend on the you well, the artist and 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 the kind of the objective, like you said? Well, there is there is kind of a an unwritten rule. Okay. Um, and it's based on radio airplay. Okay. And it goes clear back to the beginning of record. Let's just start in the 50s when the whole modern music thing really took off. I mean, I know there were records before that. But when it started into modern airplay, the disc jockeys came in and said, listen, 
we can't have these big 10 minute songs people lose interest you need to be able to you know and they came up with a time of somewhere between two and a half to three and a half minutes long okay with the magic time being about three to three and a half minutes and if you time almost any song on the radio just a, a hit they're going to fall right into this and it's just based on you know radio airtime and money you know the disc jockeys they wanted to get a certain amount of songs in it goes clear back to the the way it started well all of a sudden the 70s come along and you had groups like leonard skinnard and led zeppelin and hart they're they're going you know we're going to do these long jam things and so you have Freebird, which is a thousand years long (laughs) (laughs) and stuff and we loved them but they were freaks of nature, man. That was not yeah, radio-friendly. And a lot of those struggled. You know, At the time, they were playing them on FM because they wouldn't play them on AM. Uh-huh. They would cut them down. They'd cut all the instrumental breaks out. And I remember seeing a thing, actually, with uh, Don Henley was talking about when they did uh, Hotel California, when the Eagles did that. They said the, the guitars at the end have got to be in the song. That's part of the song. It's part of the arrangement. The song doesn't end with the lyrics. And, of course, that song was, you know, what was it, four and a half minutes long? Mm -hmm. It was borderline, you know, too long. But that was a magic time because we as a nation and we as music listeners, we liked that. That's that's gone now, man. You don't, it's back to very formulaic, whether it's country or pop or, or whatever. You know, the songs are a certain length. You know, and it's it's just based on, you know, airplay and that kind of stuff. I think it's kind of a shame. I I I wish those sort of songwriters and that kind of music would come out again. I think it will actually. Well, but yeah, there has I, to be a place for it. So tell us about arranging. When you say arrangement, so for the listeners that aren't familiar with that term, explain to us how what arrangement means. Well, arrangement is the magic to me. Okay. Uh, arrangement is the, if you put it in terms of a car, it's the color. Okay. It's, it's the motor. It's the it's the mojo of mm-hmm. the song. Okay. And it, it sometimes it can come from the artist, the, the actual singer. If the singer is a true artist, that's where a lot of the arrangement will come from. But if not, it's got to come from somebody. Hopefully, you have a producer that's putting it together or somebody that's putting that arrangement together. And basically, it's how that song is going to sound. Because you can take virtually any song, and you can make it country, you can make it rock, you can make it reggae, you can make it jazz, you can make it... Just by changing the beat and the arrangement and that kind of thing. And by adding or subtracting instruments, you know, that's where you come up with that song. And if you listen to, um, well, let's like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> we talk about an arrangement. Okay, well, as they were putting that together, you listen to that. You know, let's just talk at you know Brian May's guitar sound on that. It's like, okay, why did he use those licks, and why did he use that sound? Because that was he made a, a conscious effort to do that. And it's part of the magic of the song. You wouldn't dare do it any different now. But at the time, you know, he was like, okay, what's going to work with this? So there was a creative aspect that was going 
with all of that. It's the same way that Freddie Mercury sang it and the other guys and the whole thing. And it's a, you're basically creating art. And uh, that's the, uh, and that's where a, a person can really get uh, caught up in the decision making. And I see this with cars all the time. The guys will come up to me and they go, man, I got this shit now. And, you know, I can't decide if I want to do an SS clone, if I want it to be blue, if I want to be white, if I want it to be this. And I'm like, dude, you, you, you're thinking way too much. You, you're all bound up with all of, you basically, you've walked into a 31 flavors ice cream store and you want them all. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's going to taste like crap. You can't do that. You, you got to pick and choose what works together. I mean, when you when you make a pizza, there's certain things you put on there. And if you add the wrong thing, it all tastes. <laughs> that is true. Like anchovies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, you like, put those on there. You kill this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's the same thing with music, you know, and it's the same thing with building a car. You know, you've got to step back and go, okay, what does this need? What does it not have? And I, the biggest thing, when I first got into doing sessions, you know, because you go in there, you know, when you first learn to, to sing or to, to play guitar or to play any kind of an instrument, you want to show everybody what you got. You know, so you go in there and you throw in a bunch of notes or you, you sing a bunch of stuff. And then people are like, okay, now let's cut all the crap out. <laughs> and and let's, let's do something that actually works with the song. And if you haven't been around that situation, it can be really... It can be really humbling, which it needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so it's like all of these great guitar licks that you hear these songs, like, like the riff Smoke on the Water. It's one of the most famous riffs of all time, and everybody can play it. That's part of the magic of it. It's just this great riff, you know. It's not this big thing that nobody can play that you have to go, oh, gosh, I think that's the minor pentatonic scale. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's about what feels right. And um, it's just like, you know, coming up with that. So I I tell people, if you're writing a song or if you're coming up with something, come up with the way you feel this thing and the way you hear it. And then when you go in the studio to record it, stick to your gun, you know, Take wise counsel from somebody that might know better that, that might come in and say, hey, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I think if you change this and this and this, it's going to make it better. It's not going to take away you. It's going to make it better. And you have to be smart enough to take that wise counsel. But then you also have to be careful for the person that comes in and goes, hey, you probably ought to change that last word in the second verse. Oh, yeah, by the way, I get half writer's credits now. Because <laughs> that happens. That, that really happens. Wow. You know, people walk by and they say, hey, you know, try the instead of and. It's like, yeah, I, I get writer's credits, especially if the song goes to a hit. Oh, I, I'll listen. To I've, <laughs> you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that I've seen and heard and some of the stories behind the scenes. Incredible. And, and listen, bands break up, people get sued, people get shot. You know, pretty scary. Of that kind of stuff. 
Stacy, we are up against the clock, and we didn't get a chance to uh, talk much about the radio show, but we're definitely going to have to have you on again here in the future. But I kind of was in the mood for music, and I figured, yeah, all right, you know, let's let's t- get a car guy that's into music and stuff like that. But real quick here, we got a second or two to go. Why don't you go ahead and plug Gears TV and tell us real quick what's going on here, where they can find you. Well, Gears TV is, once again, on Motor Trend. Uh, we're on Saturday morning. Uh, we are also on uh, Amazon Prime. And we have a new restoration series we're doing on Amazon Prime as well. And you can still pick us up on MAV-TV with Gears. And then, of course, YouTube and on our website and, and all that stuff as well. So we're in Season 14 with Gears, and we got a lot of really fun stuff going on. Got some music stuff going on. You get you just have to do with Hot Rod Lincoln. That's all I'm going to say. Sounds good. Well, Stacy, thanks for coming on the show with us a little bit. Let's get you on again here in the new future again. Best of luck to you. Best of luck with Gears and uh, with your da- daughter's album and music. And uh, next time I'm up in Nashville, we're going to have to get together and go to that uh, musician's uh, museum up there. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah, just let me know. Take care, man. All right, super. Thank you very much. Take care. Stay you safe. Bet. Hey, you in the meantime, Bye-bye. very good. Thank you. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tantalk Radio Network for the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. Uh, you know, we have guys like Stacy Dave, and we have the guys down the street working on their cars. You know, this is about... All of us in the hobby, whether you're a, a, a race car driver, uh, just an average guy working on his car, you know, like me, and uh, or a musician, um, this is where you can find it. So every Tuesday night here on the Town Talk Radio Network. In the meantime, I want to see you guys on the road. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.